You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome on into another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine, and your former host, Joe Goodberry. Three J's coming together to talk about a relatively uneventful day for the Cincinnati Bengals on day one of free agency, or perhaps eventful in the wrong ways. Let's get started with the things that are disappointing, I think, to Bengals fans. Carl Lawson's still a free agent. Joe Tooney signs for a market resetting deal for guards, a five-year deal worth up to over $80 million. The first three years effectively guaranteed earnings of, you know, in the middle 40s. He goes to the Chiefs, a chance to play with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Honestly, you know, we saw from his sister that the Bengals supposedly lowballed him. We have no idea what that means, quite frankly. Could be that they offered him $13, $14 million and it just wasn't as much as he was getting offered from other teams. But even if the Bengals offered him a similar deal to the Chiefs, I think Tooney's picking the Chiefs. Still, a disappointment to be sure. The, the Chiefs, the Super Bowl champions, make the investment where they need it on the offensive line. They bring in Joe Tooney to protect their guy after they had problems protecting him in the Super Bowl. And so far, the Bengals, as we record this at 6.10 p.m. on Monday afternoon, haven't made a move. And that's the problem, right, is is it's not just Joe Tooney. It's the history. It's the equity that hasn't been built up, and they haven't made a move. And if they would have signed Kevin Zeitler at 2 in the morning on Monday, like the, the Ravens did or agreed to terms, then we would be the mood would be different in Cincinnati right now. But the mood matches the weather, which is cold, chilly, rainy. I walked my dog this morning. Wasn't fun. Walked him this afternoon. Still wasn't fun because the weather stinks, and the Bengals haven't done anything to make feel, uh, people feel better about it. And so that's the problem, is the history says that they avoid basically the first wave of free agency. Last year, they did do some things, and they said, hey, we're going to do things again this year. Well, you didn't get Zeitler. You didn't get Tooney. You didn't get Lindsley. Andrew Norwell, the other hometown kid, restructured in Jacksonville. So you're seeing all these guys drop off. No one really thinks Trent Williams is, they're in the, the Trent Williams trainer, in the Trent Williams hunt. So that, that's why I think people are a little nervous about protecting Joe Burrow, and I understand. I think the realization that all the Tier 1 guys are now gone, right? You look at our list. We, we've put this up. Jake's put it up on his Twitter uh, where we've ranked these free agents and put um, kind of a, a, a tier next to them. There are no Tier 2 offensive linemen available. And we've gone from Tier 1 quickly to, if they don't do that, we're looking at Tier 3 signings. And I think a lot of Bengals fans are struggling with that idea so quickly. I mean, we're just a few hours into free agency and already it's all right. You got to hope for the best in any signing they make, whether that's like a Trey Turner, you hope he turns it around. You hope Gabe Jackson still has another year or two left in him, Right. So the, again, we're here like, man, that number five pick is getting solidified as an offensive lineman or bust. And I, I we don't want to be in that situation. Right. So where do you pivot? Where do you go from here? I think that's where a lot of Bengals fans are trying to find their footing as we sit here at, just as Jake said, a little bit under, after 6 o'clock p.m. I think that despite there being no Tier 2 guys, there are some – well, there are no Tier 2 guys for for you, I think, Joe, is it? Or, yeah, that or, might be right. Or maybe we all have them as threes. I'm just scrolling through the list now. So the next guys are Russell Okung and Matt Filer. I have both – okay, so I'm the only one 
I have both of those guys as twos. James and Joe, you guys have them as threes. And you go back and watch Matt Filer a couple years ago when he was playing right tackle for the Steelers. And he was really good. And if you're getting him for less than $10 million a year to play tackle, I mean, that's Bobby Hart money for something that's a significant improvement at right tackle. He's probably a significant improvement at guard. Doesn't take much to be a significant improvement at guard. You're, you're just not getting to the top of the market. Russell Okung might be a top of the market kind of guy, 32 years old. PFF projected him over $16 million a year. And I think he's probably still a pretty good pass protector. He's getting a little bit long in the tooth. I'm not ready to pay him $16 million a year. And if he actually does get that number, then, you know, I'm okay with not going that route. But to your point, Joe, they have to now get multiple of these guys to have a chance to get to average on the offensive line. And I've talked about this today, too. People are freaking out because, you know, they want the Bengals to have an elite offensive line. And that's what, you know, a move for Joe Tooney gets you closer to elite. It makes it easier to get to average. You can still get to average on the offensive line without Corey Lindsley and without Joe Tooney. You can still get there if you make the right moves, but it means that they have to go sign, you know, Matt Filer, Gabe Jackson, Rick Wagner, Trey Turner, like three of those guys. And that, that's hard to do, you know, but they, they can still do it. Those guys are still out there. But I wonder where their focus is right now. All we've really heard about today is, is Tooney, Lawson and most recently Josina Anderson tweeting that the Bengals are in on Hendrickson that does line up with what I heard before free agency started so that does make sense they're they're in the pass rusher market for sure they want to rebuild that defensive line a little bit I just wonder if they're looking at some of these guys down the list yet because surprisingly to me some of these second third tier guys are coming off maybe a little bit sooner than we expected like guys like Kendrick Bourne Mario Edwards um, Cam Sutton with the Steelers, a bunch of guys in the lower tiers already signing. And and that's the thing, though, Jake, is to me, I would have been fine if the Bengals, and I think fans would have been fine if they were like, all right, Matt Filer is our priority. We're, we're not in the Joe Tooney five-year, $80 million. We have a plan, and this is our plan, and we're going to protect Joe Burrow, but we're going to do it with these guys. But the fact that we haven't seen anything yet, and fans haven't seen anything yet, I think it's concerning because it goes back to the equity. And the lack of it. And if if you can't stand on your past or your reputation, then, you know, that's that's where people are going to go back to. And, and so that's the concern. But there are certainly guys out there that can make them better. Hopefully they do it. And that's the other thing. Like if they sign a Trey Hendrickson to, I don't know, replace Carl Lawson, I, right? I don't think they're keeping both. Maybe maybe they do and wow us. But there is still going to be a lot of people that say, well, that that's not enough because you need to be protecting Joe Burrow. And that should be the priority. You invested in defense all all offseason last year. And what happened? You know, Burrow got hurt. So I get the people that are like that. So it's there are guys out there. We just don't know the Bengals plan fully. And until we see it, I think people are going to question them. And I get it. Very similar to the feeling we had last year at this time. I think they did nothing on day one. Last year, it was Joe and I by ourselves doing this. We're sitting there saying, well, I guess. Maybe, maybe they're not going to do anything. Maybe all this speculation, because at the time it was, you know, they need to invest to show Joe Burrow they're serious. And they didn't. And then they did a, a massive spend on day two. So we'll see what day two has. I mean, day one, not even over yet as we record this. So we'll see what's coming up. We'll reset a little bit. Look at what we might expect or hope for 
with the guys that are still available, with the guys we know are off the board coming up next. It's March Madness time. Hopefully you got your brackets ready to go. Selection Sunday has passed, and that means it's time to cash in with betonline.ag. Yeah, the NFL's over, but BetOnline has you covered, whether it's award shows, TV shows, reality TV, or like I said, March Madness. So check them out right now at BetOnline AG for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, all you got to do is go to betonline.ag, use promo code Locked On, and you're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So go there now. BetOnline.ag, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. As we're recording this podcast, things are continuing to evolve. It is now 624 Eastern time. We've got some more terms in the Joe Tooney deal. Joe Goodberry, you have got some of the contract details. And honestly, these were a little bit hard for me to listen to. So I'll let you tell the people what the contract details were. And then we can talk about why the Bengals should have been in with the way this contract was structured. Yeah, this tweet's from Field Yates. And um, as we know, it's a five-year, $80 million deal with the Chiefs. The signing bonus is $17 million. So that leaves his base salaries at 990k the first year, 139 15 15.5, and then 15.5 in that fifth year. Workout bonuses totaling just over $2 million. But what this all means is Joe Tooney's First-year cap hit in 2021 is just $4.5 million. (laughs) Could the Bengals fit that in? I think they could. I think they could. That's – see, that is the painful part because I think most fans will see five years 80, and I got these comments. Oh, well, you you don't sign them at that. Why would you do that? That's overpaying. But $4.25 million against the cap in 2021? Imagine the other things the Bengals could have done. That offseason plan that you put together or I put together, well, landing Tooney, you still could have went out and got whatever tackle you thought that they should go after uh, while also addressing the pass rush or keeping Jackson and, and getting the wide receiver you wanted. I mean, if you're structuring deals that way, you can really maneuver. And, and the Chiefs, leave it to them, man. They're print money in Kansas City, obviously, because Patrick Mahomes packs the house. But uh, it, uh, they're certainly the way they've maneuvered to keep all their guys and, and then add like they did with a guy like Tooney's, uh, it's crazy, but it's, uh, it's fun to watch, even if it's, uh, if it's not the Bengals. And the thing is, is it's not just the chiefs structuring contracts this way. It's literally every team in the NFL. And this is what I was talking about guys. When I said I was going to hammer the Bengals, if they didn't structure the contracts this way, we haven't seen what what kind of structures the Bengals are putting out there into the world yet, and why I think the Bengals probably weren't in on Tooney is because effectively, the first three years of his deal are guaranteed. After that, you've got two buyouts, quote-unquote, where the Chiefs can take a buyout against the cap. Uh, it's going to be like a six-point-something million dollar dead cap hit if they have to cut him after three years, three-point-something million if they have to cut him after four years and he's in his upper 20. So that could very well happen. The first three years of that deal though, effectively guaranteed. And that's like $48 million. It's effectively guaranteed or 46 or whatever it is. I think that's probably what scared the Bengals off, but from a cash and a cap perspective, I think they could have made this work. I think there's some risk aversion here. I I think that perhaps there was a tiebreaker that said, Hey, I'll go play with Andy Reid and, and, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, but 
we we heard that he got lowballed by the Bengals from his sister. Again, we don't know what that means. It might mean fourteen million dollars a year. It might mean that they only wanted to guarantee twenty million instead of effectively forty-eight million, which is probably more likely what it was. But this is the kind of deal the Bengals should be making this year. They have so much space this year and next year. It's not like they have a bunch of guys that are going to have big cap hits next year. You know, you extend Jesse Bates, you extend Sam Hubbard, whatever. The cap's going back up next year. So I, I do still expect them to be very active. And I think that's what we need to talk about here, guys, is we, we can't really cry much longer over the spilt milk. Yeah, they should have been in on Tooney. They could have been in on Yannick Ngakwe, who reportedly did a two-year, $26 million deal. They could have been in on Shelby Harris, who did a three-year, $9 million average annual per year kind of deal. But there are still some guys out there that they could go after. Joe, let's start with you. Who are your favorite targets? What's your reset plan based on what's happened so far? I would still like them to come away with a couple of tier one guys, right? I feel like they're potentially losing two in Carl Lawson and William Jackson. So you need to replace that talent level, at least to stay afloat, even if they're different pieces of the same caliber. I, I, it still sounds like they're in on Carl Lawson. And maybe the report on Trey Hendrickson's mean they're pivoting that way and going to the next guy that maybe Lawson's not close or they're trying to get someone under so they can move on to the next guy. That makes sense. But either way, um, for me, it would be I'd lock down Carl Lawson at this point. I mean, stop messing around. All this guaranteed money or cash you'd have to sign today, you're not doing it for Tooney or any other, other offensive lineman. You can throw that right at Carl Lawson. You could even up his bonus if you needed to and make sure he's not going anywhere. That's how I'd approach it. And then I would say, okay, offensive line, there's no one really to go grab tier one, tier two, in my opinion. Not No one you need to sign first two days before the league year even really starts. I'd say Curtis Samuel. I want speed. I want someone who can run after the catch. I want someone I can be creative with. Add a weapon for Joe Burrow. And I know it's not an offensive lineman. I got a lot of tweets saying, you got to get offensive lineman. I know that. But you kind of got to go in order. If you start playing in tier three right away, wave three free agents, you're going to skip out on some guys that are out there that can help you. And I think by the time you're listening to this, it could be a DJ Reader situation where we wake up and we say, okay, the Bengals are in on a tier one guy here. And whether that's in their mind, Trey Hendrickson, which you guys see him as a Trey Waynes type, you know, tier three guy that they may have to overpay for. But I think they should be in on Curtis Samuel. That'd be the guy I'd, I'd pick of helping out your offense while keeping Carl Lawson. We have completely just ruled out Trent Williams, right? That's just, that can't happen. I can't throw that out. Okay. I just got to make sure because obviously that's who you'd get, right? In a perfect right. world, go get him. He, he's way better than Joe Tooney. To but me. imagine. Like I, I just, it, but, but it's not going to happen. So I can't use that. I get it. Bring, bring back a guy like Carl Lawson. And if you can do that, absolutely. And I do wonder, because, you know, Romeo Aquara, when he signed that three-year uh, $39 million deal, I was like, okay, there's his floor. There's Lawson's floor. And now in Gakwe, the same thing. And we haven't seen all the particulars, but $13 million per on average. So that's probably Lawson's floor. I wonder what he gets. Maybe it is that. Maybe you only have to go 13 and a half, and you can get him, and he feels good, and you feel good about keeping him. And you can keep that cap number low. I don't think they keep Jackson. It just feels like he's gone. But I love the idea of a Curtis Samuel. I'll give you another one. And I think I made him a tier three. It had more to do with injuries. Uh, yeah, and I did. But Will Fuller, like either of these guys to me, would be great fits. And you do wonder, Samuel, one, will the coaching staff completely utilize him the way you'd want and maximize him here in Cincinnati? And then two, Fuller, it's obviously health health concerns with him. But if you can get either of those guys at a bargain and, you know, Sam, I'll say the $12 million range 
for Fuller. Samuel maybe 10 to 12 in that range. You feel really good about it. So I'm on board there. And I do wonder, the other guy, and this is a guy that they should have drafted once upon a time. Instead, they they took Cedric Abwehi. I do wonder what their interest level is in a guy like Bud Dupree and if they would would get in on him. And now you're talking about tier three type guys. But uh, I, I do wonder about that. And maybe they just skip out on tier one altogether. I think it'll be interesting to see if they if they do or not. I think Bud Dupree is going to get Bud Dupree is going to get Trey Wayne's money. He's going to be a Trey Wayne's kind of signing for somebody. I mean, that's where I'm at on Bud Dupree. I'm still not convinced he's good. He had one very good year. He was on a great, great defensive front in Pittsburgh. So I I don't know if I'm there. I'm, I'm with you, Joe, I think on, on Lawson. Now, as we're recording now, just so everybody knows who's listening, not live It's 6:33 PM or so. And Leonard Floyd has re-signed with the Rams reportedly for up to $16 million annual average value on that contract. So you talk about a floor for loss, and I think that is a very interesting conversation still. It won't surprise me at all if Lawson is in the 14 to $16 million range. But for the Bengals at this point, I don't know how you're not prioritizing him. Where else... Where else are you spending that money that's making that kind of impact? And and then, James, you know, you talk about Curtis Samuel and, and Will Fuller. I mean, sure, but Nelson Aguilar, I mean, we got to see what the full terms of that contract are because if that is set a floor for, for these guys, $13 million annual for, for, for Aguilar, then, you know, Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, Will Fuller, those guys – those guys are going to get more than that. They got to get more than that. They're better players. So we'll have to see what the details are on the Aguilar deal. A lot more to talk about with this free agency. We'll wrap up coming up next. There's nothing worse than having unreliable transportation. We talk about rockauto.com on the Locked On Bengals podcast frequently because, well, it's the best place to go if you need any type of of auto parts for your car or truck. RockAuto.com has been in the business for more than two decades, and they're the number one spot to go because you don't have to mask up and go to the big box store. You can shop from the comfort of your own home, and they have rock bottom prices. You're going to save money on any parts you need at RockAuto.com, and it could be as simple as windshield washer fluid, right? So whatever you're looking for here, for your car, you can find it. And it doesn't matter the maker model. You could drive a Toyota, a Honda. I was throw it out there, a Daewoo. They got you covered. So check them out right now, rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Speaking of things we talk about all the time on the Locked On Bengals podcast, Built Bar is... Well, it's all I've eaten today, quite frankly, as free agency has kept me busy and it's kept me going. It's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. It's satiating. It tastes great. It's coated in 100% real chocolate. We even talked Joe Goodberry into buying some Built Bars. My personal favorite, the coconut brownie chunk, is coming up in the voting in Built Bar Madness, which is still going on over at BuiltBar.com. You can check it out there or at bar underscore built on Twitter. We have a new promo code for you too. So when you go buy your own Built Bars, use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And make sure while you're there to check out the matchup and see who won on the way to crowning the best tasting protein bar. 
Things stay moving in free agency while we record this podcast. Now 6.44 Eastern Time. Daylight time, I think. Eastern daylight time. Daylight savings just happened. I didn't realize daylight savings time happened, guys, until pretty late in the day, like probably 4 p.m. on Sunday. I, I had no idea. But Eastern daylight time as we record this episode, I talked a little bit earlier about how the goal for the Bengals has to be to get to an average offensive line in front of Joe Burrow. They were very poor. They had the worst guard play in the NFL by most measures last year. That obviously needs to get better. Joe Tooney was an easy way to do that, the, the easiest way to do it, the most direct way to do it. Maybe not easiest because it costs a lot of money. They can still get to average as we've discussed, but I want to take a little bit of time here to talk about why it's more important to get, and I've talked about this before, from poor or below average to average than it is to get from, from average to great or even good. Because there are severe diminishing returns in terms of offensive line quality once you get to average. You look at PFF's list of their, of their rankings of offensive lines. The teams in the bottom third to, to bottom you know 40% of the NFL were all non-playoff teams. The Bengals were 30th. You get to their top half just top half of the league, maybe maybe top 60%, and you start to see playoff teams in there. And for the Bengals this year, it's it's get to be a playoff team. You can win with an average offensive line. I think there was a ranking that had, you know, the, the Buccaneers at some point were looking like an average offensive line. They played great in the playoffs. The Chiefs were a pretty good offensive line that then got injured and then was a poor offensive line in the playoffs. So everybody agrees they can't be poor in pass protection again. But there are some people that are saying, you know, oh, it's very Bengals to settle for average. <laughs> I just want to talk a little bit about this point. Joe, maybe we start with you again, then we go to James about okay. your take. Do, do you think that, you know, it was ever a, a good idea to try to push to elite on the offensive line? I mean, Joe, you had a tweet a couple of days ago, a, a two-parter with the list of stuff, the list of players the Bengals need. And, and it's just a lot of holes to fill. It is, and that's the hard part. That's the if you're going to make an argument why you can't give Joe Tooney that much money, even if it's not a huge cap hit this year, and you know this is a, at least three more years under the rookie deal for uh, Joe Burrow. It, your point is that they have so many holes to to fill, and it's true, and they do, and they've got to sign. I think they've got to sign eight guys here in the next couple of weeks in order to just at least get a roster that you can field if they had to go and play a game this week, which they can't right now. And you're just looking at the depth chart. Um, I think yes. We got to remember, and I think a lot of people forget this, they fielded for most of last year, maybe the worst guard tandem in the league. And you can pick whatever guards they wanted to put out there. They were bad. Yes, Frank Pollock's going to help them play much better, I believe. If the scheme is better, if they're teaching them things that are actually help them on the field, they'll play better. But I think they're still a long way away from getting those guys in here. I, you know, I still think we're a few days away from even tip it, dipping our toe in the wave three. And uh, maybe you start a little, a little bit early because there is no wave two for the consensus here on offensive linemen. But yes, you're going to have to resign Quentin Spain to compete with the Xavier Suofilo at left guard. You're going to have to bring in a Gabe Jackson or a Trey Turner at right guard. You're going to have to go get a Matt Filer or a Rick Wagner at, at right tackle, right? You should probably sign two at the very least plus Quentin Spain, right? You should probably get three guys in here because you don't want to have to pick a guy at five. And I know I said it in the first segment that they're kind of 
almost locked into that spot, but you want to avoid that as much as possible, even if that is the the truth we don't really want to talk about right now. You know, they, they it's it's probably going to happen, but as of right now, they sh- they got to go out there and they've got to address it in some way, and that may mean overpaying just a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that because ultimately you can get to the the opponent's quarterback as much as you want, or you can, if, you know, fill William Jackson the third shoes. It doesn't matter if you're not protecting Joe Burrow. You're not going to go anywhere. It's done. He's the franchise. And we saw what happens when the franchise gets injured. Now you got to protect it. And so that's why people are upset today. But you're right. There is a path. And the path is spending on these these mid-tier veteran offensive linemen. And I think that's why the Kevin Zeitler one hurt because it was familiar. I think fans were just like, okay, well, this is a Bengals move. Well, now he goes to a division rival. It's like, oh my gosh. So yeah, hopefully it's like a Trey Turner, a Matt Filer. I think they'll look at Filer and really like his versatility, like the idea of, oh, maybe we do draft Sewell and we can kick Filer inside if we want to put Sewell at right tackle or put Williams at right tackle. So the versatility there makes sense. But I agree with you. You're talking probably three guys that you got to go after. And, And really the key, Jake, when you're talking about like, average offensive line to the best in in like the PFF and everything like that. It's just functionality. Can your offense function with your offensive line? And for years now, really 2016, and it's dropped off gradually since, the Bengals offense can't function because the offensive line is so damn bad that they have to scheme around it. And now it's Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan trying to work around it. And that cannot be the case in 2021. Obviously, Burrow's health, but the offense needs to not only keep Burrow upright enough, to keep him healthy and avoid those hits, but to be able to function and open up the full playbook and push the ball down to field a Will Fuller or Curtis Samuel or Jamar Chase or whoever the hell they end up with. And that's really the key. Can they somehow get to average so they can function as an offense? And I'm still hopeful, but I get it. I get why people are uh, are kind of worried now because I get, and I've said it, I think three times on this podcast because they have to show it. And until they show it, we're going to question it. And there's still the draft, too. So it's not like they, I mean, ideally, right, you use free agency to fill needs because then you go into the draft and you can be more flexible. You can take the best player available more readily. You can stay truer to your board, not be tempted, Joe. I think you talked about this on Twitter today by, you know, the the round one corner because you haven't got a corner and all you've got on your roster is Trey Waynes and Darius Phillips. Like, they're going to, to spend money to fill some of these holes on the roster because there's so many. And we're talking depth. We're talking, you know, rotational guys. We're talking nickel corner. It's not just the top guys, but I think a lot of people really wanted to see the Bengals make a day one splash today. That's the, the overwhelming feeling I'm getting interacting with Bengals Twitter today is people heard Duke Tobin say, you know, we're going to be out there. We're going to be ready to go. We're not going to sit on our hands was the exact quote. And people are looking at this and they're saying, oh, the Bengals sat on their hands. We don't really know what exactly happened in the building today. Pretty hard to argue against that right now. I I feel like compared to last year, I think we have fewer tier one guys available than we did last year. Just just looking at it. I mean, Trent Williams, Carl Lawson, Kenny Galladay, William Jackson. That's that's it. William Jackson is is almost certainly gone. Uh, Galladay is a guy that, I mean, would be great, but I, I don't know that the Bengals are in that market. 
Lawson, we've obviously talked about. Williams, we've we've also talked about. So last year when we got out of day one and went into day two, DJ Reader was still there, but there were also like a lot more other guys there. And maybe this is just the way that we've we've graded guys this year. Maybe the needs are just different. Maybe the market's just different. But it looks like there's a lot more of the tier two, tier three shopping the Bengals will have to do this year. And it'll be interesting to see how the money changes after all the big contracts are given out. If we start to see some effects of this COVID market, because so far it doesn't seem like it's had a big impact on the cash spend from these teams. It's just impacting the way they structure contracts. And again, I'm waiting to see what the Bengals first contract looks like so I can decide whether or not I've got to rip them or if they're going to follow the trend we're seeing in the rest of the NFL where they minimize their cap hit this year. Because again, to me, this is a unique opportunity for this team to, to try to go big and transform this roster. And there aren't even necessarily big down the road impacts to taking that approach. And maybe the, the, this is their plan. Their plan all along was, Hey, we have this cap space. We're not going to tag loss. And we think that there's a chance that with all these edge rushers that we have similarly graded that we could potentially retain him and, and keep him and bring him back at a lower cap hit. Plus we can upgrade our offensive line. Plus we can upgrade at defensive tackle. And we have this, this guy in Geno Atkins where we can release him and, and save 9 million. We can release Bobby Hart, but let's hold these guys until we find replacements anyways, which I, I kind of think is the case. Maybe that is the case, right? And hopefully it is because there is a path to the Bengals filling not all of their needs, but a decent amount of their needs. And then doubling back in the draft, like you said, Jake, and making sure you have a young pipeline of offensive linemen behind the Rick Wagner or behind the Matt Filer or behind Trey Turner, or whoever you end up deciding to sign. And, and I think that's the path with any of those guys anyway, when we talked about them is double down in the draft. So it's uh, it's just one day. Heck, it's just really seven hours as we record this. It's not even seven o'clock Eastern time with the the open negotiating window. But uh, it's been a roller coaster. We'll, so we'll see what they have in store. So, Jake, to your point, I look back at our list from last year and at this time going into day two before they signed DJ Raider. So we had DJ Raider still on there. We had Javon Hargrave and then we had Jadavion Clowney. So we had three defensive linemen. Clowney ended up signing much later for a short deal. And Hargrave and Reader went very quickly. So I expect this tier one list that we have right now to be gone at some point early tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, everyone has been expecting the Carl Lawson shoe to drop pretty quickly. Hopefully the fact that it's going slow to me, hopefully that means that the Bengals are still in it and, and he's still going back and forth fielding different offers and the price tag isn't getting too, too high. Malik Wright also tweeting that Trey Hendrickson expected to make his mind up tomorrow. I can't imagine that Trent Williams, Kenny Galladay, William Jackson, guys that have said been said to have had, you know, COVID re- recession proof free agent markets will take very long to come off the market either. Regardless, We want to get this out to you guys as soon as we can, as timely as we can. I'm sure this will be outdated by the time you listen to it, but we'll be back with emergent news as it happens, or we'll be back tomorrow to discuss what the Bengals have done on day two. Until then, Bengals fans, hootay, and have a good one.